Hello everyone, welcome once again. This is A Reason for Hope and we are with you again for uh, the next hour live to answer your questions on the Bible. We also have a bit of a prophecy update for you. You know, as you know, there's a lot going on in the world and in Israel and the Middle East that we love to keep you up to date on those things from a biblical perspective. But, but we also love to receive your questions on the Bible. Man, do we need a reason for hope in the, the world? And even our personal lives, uh, life is hard <laughs> sometimes, often. And um, then you die. And that's no, right. Isn't that a buffer sticker? I think it is, yeah. <laughs> and that's all we have. See you next week. Okay. Uh, no. Yeah, Jesus said in this world, you, we, you will have trouble. Great promise, but he has overcome the world. So we know that uh, there is trouble in this world, but we have a reason for hope, and we want to share that with you on this broadcast. So a question that you have, maybe you've come across a verse in the Bible that's confusing to you or some kind of contradiction or what does this mean in my life? How do I apply this? Maybe Christianity as a whole, maybe you're, you're a seeker and would like to know what Christianity is all about, what God says about this, that, and the other, maybe even other religions and worldviews. As long as it's an honest and sincere question, we certainly appreciate that. We'll give you an honest and sincere answer from the word itself. That's what we're here to do for the next hour. So my name's Dave Robson and I'm your host and I'll be on all those platforms with you in a moment. I'll go over the different ways that you can be joining us and sending in your question. But with us today, we have Pastor Scott Richards. He's the senior pastor here at Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. And oh, your seat's low today. What happened? Yeah, it's nice. Is that what they do? And they go in there. That's very good. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being with us today. Does David Beckham wave like this? He's probably the closest thing to real royalty they've got over there these days, right? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Um, yes. All things British, we also keep you up to date yes, on here. Yes, we do, yeah, apparently, <laughs> including myself. When is the next uh, episode of The Crown due out? <laughs> Except for the knife attacks. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yes, indeed. Also yeah. with us, Sean Richards, Pastor Sean. How are you doing over there? Nostalgic. The uh, Life's Hard Than You Die line was a regular line that our chief warrant officer, or actually he was a W3 warrant officer, Chief Ron James would tell us. He also called us all muttonhead. Oof. Well, that's not nice. It was an affectionate term. Yeah, <laughs> right. We'll take it as that way. Yes. Well, thank you both again for your time being here. We appreciate your, your faithfulness to this ministry, being there for people's questions as such. As I mentioned, uh, we're live with you Monday through Friday. It's Friday today at the time of the, the broadcast here in Tucson, Arizona. Um, we are live at 5 to 6 p.m. Mountain Standard Time on multiple channels. You can go to our website, calvarychristianfellowship.com. As I mentioned, it is a outreach of Calvary Christian Fellowship here in Tucson. If you're in the Tucson area and would like to come and worship with us and get in the Word, you're more than welcome to come and check us out. So we're near Prince and I-10 on the west side of the freeway, just about a block north from the exit there. Um, come along. We have Sunday services and Wednesday evening services. Currently going through the Book of Acts on Sunday and the uh, Book of Ezekiel on Wednesday nights. Although Sundays we've been doing um, some prophecy update. Yeah, we got a whopper well. for you this weekend. Okay, so we're doing a bit of a prophecy yep. series. Yep. Um, so you can join us in person or online as well. Uh, we stream our services. So, But check out our website, calvarychristianfellowship.com. Uh, if you go to that Watch Live tab, that will take you to our live page where we stream live. Uh, a reason for hope and also our services there when we're offline you'll see a countdown to our next event and a, uh, a schedule of upcoming events uh, but as we're live right now you'll see uh, the video you can sign in with a username and send us your question through the chat function you can go directly there ccftucson.online.church just type that right into your browser ccftucson.online.church and it'll take you to the same place or again calvarychristianfellowship.com 
We're on Facebook as well, facebook.com slash CCF Tucson, or just search for Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson. You'll see the, the banner there with Pastor Scott and the um, Calvary Chapel Dove logo. That's us. We're live there. You can send in your question in the chat box. And uh, don't forget to like and share. We'd appreciate that. If you've been blessed by this ministry, send it on. Um, if you haven't, send it on. Maybe someone will find it who is blessed. So either way, you can share, share it around, whatever your motivation Uh Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson in your app store. We have uh, an app as well for your mobile device. And we have a channel on Roku and Apple TV because we're just fancy like that. So go to your channel store and you can add us as a channel. If you have Roku or an Apple TV device, you can watch us on your big screen as well. We're live on YouTube as we speak. A Reason for Hope is the name of the channel there on YouTube. So look for A Reason for Hope. And you'll find us there. We are live once again. You can send in your question through the chat function. And we'd appreciate it if you would like and subscribe and all that good stuff. The notification bell, you can click on that and then you'll be notified. A little prompt when we are live, so you won't have to miss it. Um, the live tab as well, if you go to that live tab, anytime we've been live, it archives there. So if you missed the show or there's a question you wanted to recap for your own study or the prophecy updates, you can get it all right there. Browse some of our uh, past um, live broadcasts, so that's pretty good resource for you there. Pastor Scott is on Twitter as well. Scott R4H. How's things in the Twitterverse? Uh, hopping. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, as, as one might might think. We get, uh, uh, gosh, uh, the, the amount of followers we've gotten on this has gone up by, I think, about uh, 300 in the last two weeks. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we try to keep you up to date on uh, what's going on in Israel. Yep. Uh, you know, a, a lot of focus, obviously on that, on, on uh, prophetic events, but uh, it's, I think, a, a, a definitely a uh, well worth uh, checking out sort of a thing. Uh, we uh, call through all the different sites and all the different controversies and try to make it uh, make sense for you. Yeah. So, and especially from a biblical point of view. So, right. so follow us and uh, let other people know they can follow us. And uh, I think uh, it's, a, it's a great way of kind of separating uh, the uh, the static from the signal as far as what's really going on, especially right. in Israel these days. Yeah, yeah, I certainly appreciate getting my updates from you as well, because there's a lot of different information out there. So yeah, Scott R for H on Twitter, Scott letter R number four letter H, you can follow along with him. We're on Rumble as well, not live, but we post videos there, A Reason for Hope Bible Q&A on Rumble if you're on that platform. And then questionsforhope at gmail.com is our email address, questions for hope spelled out at gmail.com. You're welcome to send your question there as well. And once again, I'll be checking all of those platforms and our uh, email uh, as well as we go along the show for your questions coming in. We have a few that are written on paper. Do you remember this paper stuff? Yeah, that's how we used to communicate. We've got some questions there that we put in our box here at the uh, church as well. So, But send your questions in and we'd love to uh, get to them today. Why don't we pause to pray as we often do? Maybe I'll throw it to Sean. He can make it a long one. And I'm going to adjust Scott's camera just to be transparent. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the scenes. <laughs> All right. Okay. Over to you, Sean. Yeah. Well, Dad, thank you that we have the chance to gather together like this. We're in a position where we have so much to share, but we know it's not going to mean anything if it's not first received from you and it's not related by your spirit it's going to be ultimately falling on deaf ears equip us to not only have joy in what you've called us to do but to be excellent and reflecting of your character as we 
present ourselves all available to hear from you, whether that's going to be in answering simple questions of the mind or even the more complicated issues of the heart. Be the one that ministers here and allow your name to be honored as a result of the time spent. We mm. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Long yeah. enough? See, nothing happened. <laughs> All right. Yes. Yeah, so. I can't wait to see my newly uh, framed. Oh, oh, there. How beautiful. It is so properly framed. <laughs> what happened? It was a yeah. miracle. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Last broadcast, I was feeling like I was going to be accused of being right wing because I was tucked I over on the right side of right. the screen. Yeah. But now there you are. I've right been called worse things. Up front and center. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's, uh, what do you have to update us on, please? Wow. Lots uh, going on uh, to kind of condense things down. A couple different things. Uh, want to give you all a, a heads up about uh, Sunday at Calvary Christian Fellowship. We've taken a bit of a break uh, from our verse-by-verse study in the book of Acts uh, to focus in on matters of biblical prophecy, with good reason. Uh, there's so much going on, especially pertaining to Israel these days. Uh, we want to keep you right on the cutting edge, and uh, as we have done these messages, we've gotten a lot of input from people uh, that have gotten a lot out of the fact that we have been dealing with uh, not just what uh, the Word has to say about Israel, what the Word has to say about uh, the signs of the times, uh, and and all that. We wanted to uh, continue on and uh, make sure that we have uh, online and available for you a series that will answer the big questions uh, that you really need to wrestle through if you're going to uh, truly understand the signs of the times uh, that we uh, are experiencing Right now, this Sunday, uh, we're going to uh, be exploring uh, probably one of uh, the most uh, underrated, I think, uh, chapters on the subject of biblical prophecy you're going to run into, and that's in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. We're going to be uh, dealing with three very important issues that Paul dealt with the Thessalonians on and uh, that we need to deal on as well. First, we're going to talk about uh, the timing of the Lord's return, that uh, there is clarity to be had rather than confusion on the subject of when the rapture is going to be taking place. So if you've had questions about that, I think you're going to get a lot out of it. Secondly, we're going to see uh, the rise of a tyrant described in this passage. Who is the Antichrist? What is he going to do? Is he on the scene right now? Can we identify him uh, from the political players that we see? Uh, in the media today. We're going to see that from a decidedly biblical point of view and uh, be able to uh, really understand uh, exactly who this person is and what his ultimate intention is when he comes on the scene. And a little spoiler alert, why he has not shown up as of yet. Uh, And then finally, uh, we're going to take a look at the subject of truth in our day and age. Uh, You know, again, the Bible speaks about the last days being a time of strong delusion, uh, that those who are taken in by the Antichrist in his last uh, day's world-dominating empire are those who did not receive the love of the truth in order to be saved. Well, how is the truth of God under assault these days? How is it being distorted? How can we have discernment to be able to uh, be able to separate truth from error? All of these subjects uh, and a lot more uh, we're going to explore Uh, on uh, Sunday. Uh, So uh, I would encourage you either to come on out or if you're watching us, uh, you can uh, uh, join us on our services at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. That's Mountain Standard Time. Uh, That would be 7, uh, 8.30, and 10 a.m. Pacific Time. They've gone on Daylight Savings Time. So if Mm -hmm. you are uh, part of uh, that crew, 
uh, you can join us as well. Uh, all that is available for you at uh, calvarychristianfellowship.com. Uh, uh, you can also uh, join us on our YouTube site, as so many of you do with your, your questions. So want to let you guys know about that. And I think uh, that's going to go a long way towards uh, not only uh, giving you perspective, but a sense of peace, even in these crazy times that we're living in today. Uh, as far as what's going on here in the world, we try to keep you up to date about what's happening. You know, a few really interesting things going on. Uh, a lot of uh, uh, concentrated uh, uh, situations going on at, surrounding the Al-Shifa Hospital in Gaza. There was a, a big to-do about uh, a, an accusation that an Israeli uh, rocket hit Al-Shifa Hospital, where there are some 400 doctors and nurses and 1,400 patients uh, supposedly being treated at this point, and people are, uh, uh, including uh, uh, the uh, president of France, uh, Mr. Macron, was saying, oh, Israel should not be attacking hospitals and little old ladies and children, and so on. And, and uh, the, the reason I point that out is you can see there is a turn that is happening in the propaganda battle, the battle for hearts and minds in all of this. Uh, you know, this conflict is not just being fought with bombs and bullets. It's definitely being fought with ideas and media spin. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and so this Al-Shifa hospital is sort of the epicenter of all this for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's a hospital. You know, people would say, well, why in the world would anybody want to attack a hospital? You know, you would uh, want to definitely uh, stay away from such a thing. But here's the problem. Uh, to the surprise of virtually no one following the events going on in Israel right now, the Al-Shifa hospital is also the headquarters for Hamas. It is their command and control center. They have built a huge complex underneath this hospital. Mm -hmm. And as is their want with human shields and so forth, uh, they attempt to uh, hide and protect their most sensitive and most crucial aspects of their terrorist operations uh, by, uh, you know, again, having uh, innocent people and uh, high-value targets as far as media opportunities go uh, to make their enemies look as bad as they possibly can if they go after these sort of things. So uh, there was a, an accusation that Israel had shot and hit the Al-Shifa hospital earlier today uh, with a rocket. Uh, turns out that an analysis of the path of this rocket, turns out it was not a rocket, it was a mortar shell that was fired by a Hamas uh, battalion of uh, terrorists uh, apparently went off course and hit the hospital. Mm. There's also some interesting uh, pictures being shown uh, coming out of uh, the maternity ward of the Al-Shifa hospital, the side of the hospital uh, that is the maternity ward. And exactly across the street from the maternity ward is another building that Hamas controls that uh, coincidentally has sniper holes drilled in its walls. So you kind of wonder why in the world would you have that going on there? Uh, the idea that Israel, uh, you know, would uh, just, uh, you know, go after this hospital and, oh, isn't that a humanitarian uh, disaster and a war crime and such, uh, one has to take into account the fact that, first of all, the real bad guys from Hamas are conducting business underneath this hospital. Uh, Israel knows this, the, you know, anybody paying attention really does know this. But uh, what does Israel do about it? Well, if Israel was just in the genocide business, as they are being accused in some quarters of being, it would be very easy for them to take one of their bunker-busting bombs and simply level the hospital. Uh, that would take care of their enemies and some uh, pretty significant collateral damage at the same time. If Israel didn't care 
about the welfare of innocents in this situation. They would have done this. Uh, there were approximately 10,000 Palestinians that were surrounding the Al Shifa hospital as human shields at one point. Apparently, most of them have cleared out as Israel has surrounded the Al Shifa complex. Israel has allowed most of them to go. Interestingly, Israel, uh, I don't know if it's proprietary, uh, they have some way of being able to separate uh, terrorists from the average Palestinian trying to get out of harm's way, uh, but they assure us that they are able to discern the difference. And these people, well over 50,000 Palestinians leaving uh, the northern uh, environs of, uh, of Gaza uh, and heading south for a couple of reasons. First of all, to get out of harm's way. Second of all, Israel is providing humanitarian aid, water, and electricity in the south, mm. not any longer in the north. They're being criticized for that. Isn't that a humanitarian problem? But they've already told people, you want water, you want electricity, you want humanitarian aid, you need to leave here, and you need to go south. Mm. Well, as we've told you, Hamas has some ideas about that as well, including a, uh, a, a particular video we showed on our Twitter feed of a Hamas operative uh, using an RPG, rocket-propelled grenade, to blow up a bus full of people that were trying to leave northern Gaza to go to southern Gaza mm. uh, without any kind of qualms whatsoever. So you can see that when you're dealing with people that are terrorists, you know, by definition, reminds me of the uh, famous uh, scene in Pirates of the Caribbean where uh, Johnny Depp was criticized for something. He went, pirate! <laughs> you know? Well, I, I don't like the stigma around the word terrorist. I think it would be much more inclusive and accurate to their ideology if we were just to refer to them as evil. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Well, these evildoers. If Didn't think will. where I was going I with stand, that, you? I stand corrected. I was almost set up for something there. I stand right. These evildoers going on there. Uh, again, the human shield component, the 10,000 or so that were around Chief, uh, the uh, Al-Shifa hospital, have cleared out. Hmm. And it does appear that uh, we're getting down to uh, cases showdown at high noon as far as this complex is concerned. Doctors, still there. Patients, still there. But Israel is tightening the noose, if you will. Uh, you know that the Al-Shifa hospital has become the epicenter of uh, terrorist propaganda. When the leading actor uh, of uh, what's been called Pallywood, the Palestinian version of Hollywood, oh, yeah. uh, has made an appearance there. This same Palestinian actor has shown up at least in eight different uh, settings uh, to show the atrocities that Israel was doing. He plays dead people. He plays wounded people. He plays uh, innocent victims looking and mourning over the destruction of their, uh, their domiciles and so on. Same guy. He's died. He's wounded. He's, you know, but now he is a patient at the Al-Shifa hospital. He is being put forth in that way. So he gets around. Uh, he, he definitely yeah. gets around. So, well, we, we posted his antics uh, for your perusal on our uh, Twitter feed if you'd like to take a look at who this guy is. And uh, once, you, once you see him, uh, you'll probably see him again in associated uh, terrorist slash evildoer slash Hamas uh, propaganda uh, stuff. Uh, apparently... Quite, uh, quite an uh, artistic resume this guy's got going. And it's here. not the first time this has happened. There's been several instances where they've literally taken pictures of little children off of Instagram and Facebook and said this woman or this little girl died in an Israeli bombing when she was in the United States and alive and well. Yeah, uh, the, uh, the other one they're really fond of doing is uh, showing massacres of Arabic-looking uh, individuals and saying, oh, Israel did this, and then it turns out that this was what Bashar al-Assad 
has done to his own people up in Syria. Mm. You know, wow. so a little detective work goes a long way along that line. So the the, the battle for hearts and minds definitely going on. Mm. Uh, we need to be praying for Israel because uh, by not say using a bunker uh, bunker busting bomb, why don't they why don't they do that? Well. You know, we, well, it would be a humanitarian disaster and, and so on. But if you're Israel, why would you put your own people in harm's way in a guerrilla warfare setting like this where you know you've got the, the worst of the bad actors, uh, you know, living, you know, like ants underneath the, this hospital complex? Sooner or later, you're going to have to take them on. Yeah. Sooner or later, you're going to have to take them on on their own terms. Sooner or later, you're going to have to deal with them. Uh, and you know that they've made every preparation possible to try to take out as many of your soldiers as you possibly can. Why in the world would you do that when you can just wipe them out all at once? Mm. I'll tell you why. Because Israel is interested in following international law. Uh, they are not interested in committing war crimes. They are interested in every possible set of circumstances to try to minimize civilian casualties as much as possible and as if it needed to be stated one of the things that seems to be fading in the memories of an awful lot of people is what got this uh, situation started in the first place. Israel had a ceasefire with Hamas. Uh, they would often ignore their sporadic missile attacks into Israel, but they had a working ceasefire. The ceasefire was broken when Hamas broke through the fences, went into the, a, uh, a rave that was going on there, murdered 200 people, for no other reason that they were in harm's way, then invaded a number of the uh, small Israeli cities around the area, uh, killing uh, old ladies, in one case a Holocaust survivor, killing mm. children in front of their parents, parents in front of their children, as we mentioned, beheading infants, in one case taking a child, putting it in an oven, and making the parents watch as they roasted the child to yeah. death. This is the kind of people that you're dealing with here. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, Israel doesn't really have any choice. 1,400 uh, Jewish deaths on that, uh, that first attack, uh, you know, in very Holocaustian ways and in terms. Israel can't look the other way. And so Hamas has to be eliminated, but not at the cost of the humanitarian principles of Israel. So they're so committed to this. They're literally losing soldiers losing Israeli citizens uh, by going in and not just wiping things out, but by doing an armed assault of this uh, particular facility. So, uh, you know, the, the, the spin uh, that is being put forward, that Israel is evil and they're awful and uh, they're the oppressors and they're the colonizers, as you hear uh, people who should know better on college campuses saying, uh, just doesn't hold water when you take a look at the facts on the ground. One of the most uh, disturbing things, though, and, you know, we talked about the, uh, the spiritual battle that is going on here. Mm -hmm. uh, our friend Amir Sarfati had uh, just a really poignant post. If you're not following him on his uh, Telegram feed, I downloaded the Telegram app, not because I need another app. I've got too many apps as it is. But uh, he posts on a regular basis on Telegram these updates from Israel, very reliable source what's happening here. But Amir posted this today, and I wanted to share it with you all because it just really you know, it just hit me in the heart when I read it. He said, from my observation over the last 30 days, I can say that God is giving us a picture of what the separation between the sheep and the goats after the tribulation is going to look like. Hmm. In times of major crisis, great deception, and mass formation psychosis, 
you see the strength of Christians who stand on the truth and commandments of God regarding his people Israel, the brethren of our Lord and Savior. More than 80% of those who call themselves Christian in our world display in these days the behavior of goats. Uh, and I would agree with him. Uh, it's just shocking to me to see on Twitter how many people who are professing Christians or professing theologians or professing uh, followers of certain theological constructs going out of their way to say, well, Israel isn't prophetically significant. And, you know, those Jews, they're, you know, they're Christ killers. And uh, they're, they're the ones who rejected the gospel. And so they get what they deserve. And they're under God's curse anyway. So why should we support them? Mm. And I'm like, these are Christians? Yeah. Wow. You know, so, you know, uh, again, some people have said uh, that uh, and posted things like if your pastor hasn't mentioned uh, this particular issue from the pulpit, uh, shame on them. And, you know, I was able to uh, respond. I'm Yisrael Kai. Uh, people know exactly where we stand on this issue. Yeah. If this issue is going to get you into trouble, we are in trouble deep. Mm -hmm. Now, there's more than enough evidence to convict us of being pro-Israel here. Yeah. And pro-Israel, we're going to remain. Mm -hmm. So uh, be praying, because I do believe over uh, probably tonight, going this weekend, uh, the battle for the Al-Shifa hospital is going to uh, take place. And this is going to be a very crucial turning point uh, in this conflict. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that we can pray for is uh, apparently there is a civil war going on uh, in our own State Department uh, where those who have uh, gotten in their positions in the State Department, largely under the Obama administration, which was very pro-Iran in its uh, ideation, uh, are uh, complaining and writing memos that uh, our President Joe Biden is far too pro-Israel and uh, that we need to start rebuking the Jews for overplaying their hand in this set of circumstances. Mm. Let's pray that uh, the powers that be don't listen to these career bureaucrats, uh, what do they call it, the deep swamp, mm. uh, because they're individuals that aren't elected but have great power and influence, particularly in our State Department. Uh, to his credit, Anthony Blinken, our Secretary of State, has taken a, an unapologetically strong pro-Israeli stance in all of this, but I've seen uh, episode after episode of press conferences now where representatives from the state, our State Department are being grilled by the media as to why we are so pro-Israeli and yeah. so hard on these poor Palestinians. Right. Well, uh, I would refer you back to the events of October 7th. Uh, Israel refers to it as it's Black Sabbath. Mm -hmm. have nothing to do with Ozzy Osbourne music, right. but uh, it's Black Sabbath, and I just think it's very ironic uh, that yesterday was the 80th anniversary of Kristallnacht, where, which was where uh, the simmering anti-Semitism of the Nazis uh, was first expressed by the shattering of glass in Jewish mm -hmm. businesses, uh, the burning of Jewish homes, the beating of Jewish people, even the killing of Jewish people on the streets, wow. even before Hitler made it the law of the land yeah. uh, to uh, get rid of uh, the Jews. So we need to be praying for Israel, praying for our Jewish friends, mm. standing strong with them during this time. Yeah, amen. So sad and sobering. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for that update and keeping us informed with all that stuff. Well, we can move on to some uh, questions uh, for the remainder of our show here. We have a question from, uh, question from Lila. Uh, my brother got mad at me uh, for not being vaccinated. Uh, said some horrible things like Christians are hypocrites for not being vaccinated. It's like putting a gun to somebody's head. 
Uh, I'm scared. What should I do? Well, a uh, little uh, background information here. If, if uh, YouTube and Facebook aren't going to take us down for our Zionist propaganda, they have actually attempted to do so for this. Uh, when the COVID fiasco had just started and everyone was working with what little information they could get a hold of, uh, people were asking us regularly on the program, if you take the uh, whatever uh, brand of vaccination uh, was being offered in your local state and county. Uh, what, does that mean that you've taken the mark of the beast? And there were, of course, newspaper eschatologists and yahoos on the internet that were saying that. We said emphatically, and note, this is the phrase that got us a strike on YouTube and prevented us from live streaming. No. Denying that the COVID-19 vaccines were in tandem, the eschatological taking of the mark of the beast was considered by YouTube medical misinformation. So just so that all of you listening at home understand this, YouTube's official policy is to deny the COVID-19 vaccines are the mark of the beast is misinforming people about medical facts. So the official policy of YouTube is that the COVID-19 vaccines are the mark of the beast. Now we still hold our position. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, we disagree with YouTube uh, on that line. It's not the mark of the beast. But, but these things will be enforced. Story, so. And of course, we'll continue to talk because undoubtedly this is going to be censored. And that's usually why people chose not to. Uh, when it comes to acting out of fear, acting out of reaction, acting out of a mentality of this is the absolute worst case scenario, marginalizing and uh, demonizing, that's the word I was looking for, people who don't fit into a particular activity or social group or public appearance. I, I stand with, you know, the Marxist group, or I stand with the uh, victims of this latest atrocity that, of course, if was practiced on the other side, is just peaceful protesting. I stand with this, I put, you know, black on my Twitter feed and whatever. These public shows of being a part of a collective mind are also something that according to the atheistic system known as Marxism is in order to coerce people, groups of people, you not only promote and encourage people in the most superficial and external of ways, but you also violently, if necessary, shame, degrade, mock, and marginalize people who don't fit into the social collective mindset. So in this atheistic system where unity is held through a common show of hypocrisy, a common show of outward experience and apparent compassion, whereas on the inside it couldn't be anything further from the truth, this is why the opinions on this medical attempt to answer a legitimate problem, because there were people who were more at risk from an outbreak of a strain of a virus that we've been dealing with for decades, if not centuries, was in fact going to put people at risk. But what people? What kind of risk? Mortal? maybe just as far as uh, being put out of a job because it would last so long, we didn't know. And because of that lack of information, a lot of people were scared. And scared people tend to do one of two things. They'll divert to other emotions, 
or they'll divert to none at all. They'll either shut down and not want to engage with the situation, or they'll over-engage with the situation and express the level of panic that you're seeing from your brother. Now, obviously, if he's still uh, in a hue and uproar about this after all the information that's come out on it recently, it's not a reasonable conversation. In fact, it's a depressing one. For instance, uh, this is this was information that was available in 2021, for those of you listening. Um, according to the Axios uh, website, YouTube censored over 80,000 videos for COVID misinformation, ours of which was just one, and 30,000 that mentioned anything but the party line regarding vaccines. Um, YouTube banned videos and included this as an addition to their terms and conditions of their policy, saying that vaccines can kill people when we have video evidence of people's heart stopping because of that. And then, of course, the Facebook platform was also banning people who were showing evidence, notice not claims, evidence of it causing blood clots in certain individuals. Notice I'm not saying in every individual, certain individuals. According to 23ABC, not a uh, conservative resource by any means, California doctors Dan Erickson and Artin Masishi, uh, M-A-S-S-I-H-I, if you want to look them up, were banned in 2021 for presenting said scientific evidence against the party line. So this is the point and why we're mentioning this on a Bible question and answer show, apart from the fact I love being an instigator. When you come towards uh, these kind of conversations where it's just emotion, like we've talked about in dealing with the anti-theist as opposed to the atheist or the agnostic, there are people who are going to invest so much emotion in something that all you can do is give them space because you're not talking to a person, you're talking to a reaction, you're talking to a slogan machine. You're not going to be able to communicate because it's not out of goodwill, it's out of fear. You can't negotiate with an emotion. You can only negotiate with a brain. But if, on the other hand, you're talking to someone who's going to mischaracterize and demonize you just for anything that you say, we call them ideologues in certain cases, then you're always going to end up being on the losing end. And someone who starts a war they know they're going to lose is a foolish person. So how do we deal with these kinds of situations? Just like when dealing with other religious groups, because let's be frank, we've seen, uh, especially over the first two years of this fiasco, that it was a religiously passionate, invested organization for a lot of people. If you're talking to someone that isn't going to listen to you, then don't talk to them. It's pretty straightforward. If you're talking to someone who wants to listen to you, but also has a lot of emotionally invested information on their side, listen to them. And if you have someone who's uncertain about these sort of issues, then talk to them. But notice the sliding scale. If they're, you know, low reaction, low emotionally invested in the situation. So what do you think about all the vaccine stuff? Well, you can say, I haven't heard much, but what I've cared to look up, maybe you can cross-reference these things. We can look through them together. Here's why I chose to, or why I didn't choose to engage in the vaccine. There are people in my life who did it simply because they were more at risk. They weren't necessarily passionate for or against it, but they said, no, this is something that the government's supposed to do. So they trusted them. Your opinion on that may vary. There were people in my life who were against it, but because they were in the armed services, they had an official order, and so they took it, and they would leave the rest in the hands of the Lord. There were also people who were very passionately for it, that they were the first in line, so to speak, at the CVS pharmacy, right? And on it goes. But notice the accelerating scale. What parts of your body should you use? If they're low emotionally invested, 
talk to them. If they're somewhat emotionally invested, listen to them, because oftentimes that's all they want out of you. They don't want to talk to you, they want to talk at you because they're trying to alleviate stress. And stress indeed has been created by these kinds of issues. And that's why it's being censored by a lot of people, well-intended or not, the mindset behind wanting to limit people from lies is something that we would commend if it was in fact a lie. If they were limiting stuff from people or limiting stuff from people that upset them, that's also quote unquote noble minded, but what if what's upsetting them is the truth? That's their problem, not the information. This is why further conversations need to be had, but if you're ministering to someone through the law of love, considering their needs before your own, understand that when you start to see emotion, passion, investment in these sort of issues, like your brother, who I'd say is probably on the higher end of this, but not that far gone, he hurls invectives at you, he hurls insults at you, says you're a hypocrite, you're you know, a baby killer, you're trying to kill grandma and stuff. Well, that's not your brother talking. That was CNN telling your brother what to say to anyone who doesn't tote the Marxist line. And you can let that just kind of roll off your back like a duck. It's going to hurt because you can't say it's not personal. But listen to them. Don't talk to them. Don't even talk back at them because you're not talking to them. Listen to them because that's what they actually want out of you. And then if you find people like the ones we've run into who are like, you will be silent, you will conform, you will be a part of the collective, leave them alone because no conversation you can have with that person is going to end up anywhere productive. God can soften their hearts, cooler heads can prevail over time, but we're living in a day and age where it's becoming more and more commonplace to run into simply unreasonable people. Mm -hmm. And the best way to reason with an unreasonable person is to pay attention to the un. It's not going to happen, so don't waste your time on it. Jesus said, don't cast your pearls before swine or what is holy to the dogs, because they'll just turn, tear it into pieces, and then you, likewise, that's in Matthew chapter 6. So note that point, Lila. Understand that it's not personal. You're dealing with an emotion, but just catch that and use that as your mark of discernment. If they're invested in this emotionally, don't talk, listen. If they're too invested in this emotionally, don't talk, don't listen. It's not going to go anywhere good. But if they are just asking, then talk about it. But make sure that it's going to be just as informed as if you were talking to someone about anything else that matters, because when it comes to our own decisions in the medical field, these things do matter. Hmm. People want to be able to make informed decisions about their bodies, and when people are being withheld from information, certain people are going to consider that as, oh good, I'm glad they're keeping lies from us. Other people are going to say, what? Why are you hiding this? Mm -hmm. Because truth doesn't sneak. Respect both positions, allow them both an equal hearing, and avoid those who won't give you the same respect. That'd be my advice. Yeah. And, and Lila, you know, the only thing I'd add to that is, you know, I mean, one of the things you say is, uh, you know, you're scared uh, by this. Well, you know, again, uh, there's three ways that people try to persuade. Uh, I think it goes all the way back to Aristotle. Some will uh, try to persuade you by logic. Uh, you know, others will try to persuade you by force of personality, uh, their own credibility, their own credentials. But a lot of people will try to persuade you by emotions, by stirring up emotions and making emotional appeals. Um, you know, one of the, the, the best ways I've found for sort of defusing a situation like that is just to ask questions. You know, you, you know your, your brother said, you know, you Christians are all hypocrites. Uh, not getting vaccinated is like putting a gun to someone's head. That was one of his, 
his arguments there. And, and uh, you'd go, really? Um, you know, do you have, uh, you know, some pretty solid evidence to back up that claim? You know, and then, you know, hear what they have to say. The other thing is, is this, just to ask them, you know, um, why, uh, why is it, do you think, so many people were hesitant uh, about getting the vaccine? You know, just putting them, put yourself in their shoes. Why do you think they were, they were, you know, do you think they had reasons for that? And, you know, oh, they're all just baby killers or, you know, I, you know, well then, you know, obviously you're not going to get very far. But oftentimes if you can get someone, you know, who's pretty much just rattling off talking points and is working up this emotional head of steam and you can just ask them some questions, sometimes that can go a long way towards making the conversation a little bit more fruitful, a little bit more productive. For me personally, in the midst of all of that, people would say, well, um, you know, have, have you taken the vaccine? And I had a standard answer for people. I said, I just make it a practice not to discuss my personal health uh, decisions, either pro or con, with uh, anyone else but my immediate family. That's just what I do. Um, you know, it's not there for the public mm. record. And uh, they'll say, well, why not? And I said, well, basically because it's nobody else's business but my own. So, oh, so you're anti-vax. No, I didn't say that. I just said I don't discuss the decisions as to whether I've had the vaccine or not uh, with anyone because, again, this is my personal business. Uh, why would it be so important to you to know whether, you know, I had or I had, well, you're gonna, you know, you know, well, I not, don't have any symptoms. I'm feeling fit as a fiddle. Um, you know, if I was coughing and sneezing on you, then I think you might have uh, a good time, a good opportunity or a reason to ask a question. But, you know, I just basically leave it at that. And that might frustrate some people and it might cause some people to jump to conclusions, but that's where I leave it. You know, I find, in any circumstance like this, even, you know, something like this, my number one priority, Lila, is to try to get the conversation back to the person of Jesus Christ. Uh, and in this set of circumstances, how could you do that? How could you turn, you know, someone uh, saying you're all hypocrites and all this stuff, you know, and maybe just jump on that one word, hypocrites. Say, yeah, isn't it interesting? You know, Jesus, boy, he didn't really have much tolerance for hypocrites, right? People that are just play acting uh, about their faith, just people putting on uh, religion. You know, in that sense, you know, I think, you know, you'd have uh, a lot in common with Jesus. And, you know, I mean, Christians get things right and Christians get things wrong, but, you know, uh, who's Jesus to you? You know, I mean, who do you think he is? You know, you talk about those Christians out there. Well, you know, religious people, <laughs> hey, they're people just like us, you know, sometimes right, sometimes wrong. But what do you think about Jesus? You know, one of the, the, the great uh, master strokes that I saw uh, when I was working on staff with uh, Chuck Smith uh, was one of my jobs, and it was, boy, we'll talk about an education, seminary education in and of itself, is uh, I get assigned to be like the pastor that he would refer people to uh, if he needed to refer someone, uh, you know, that had more of a, an elaborate uh, problem when he was greeting people after services. Mm. And uh, boy, when I'd have it after third service on uh, Sundays, Chuck would be there from 12.30, maybe like three in the afternoon talking to people, mm. like 200 people long talking to him. 
And you know, the, two things. Uh, number one, I was supposed to take the hard cases and stuff like that. Um, I, in all my time there, uh, you know, he never handled handed a single person off to me. He always had time mm. to talk to everybody, and that just that blew my mind. Uh, but the other thing that I noticed was when someone was being like combative or someone that you know kind of had a, an axe to grind, I would watch him, and you know, he'd be listening really intently, and he would find that one thing they would say that they could agree on. Mm. You know, no matter how out to lunch they really were. Yeah. And he would focus on that. And then he would use that as a bridge to bring the conversation back to the person of Jesus Christ. Mm. And, uh, you know, Lila, I think if we have that kind of approach, no matter how heated, you know, a battle might be, right. um, you know, the Lord's going to use that. Yeah. Uh, you know, we could get into, well, the CDC said this, and now we see that it wasn't effective, and, you know, and this yeah. and that. And I know somebody who had the shot, and then they, they fell over dead three days later, and you can get into all this yeah. this, this stuff. And, oh, well, you know, I know somebody like you that, you know, wasn't vaccinated, and they breathed on someone, and their kid died, and, you know, and everybody's got a story, right? But, you know, if you go there, even if you've got, like, your facts down cold, and you can show them whatever side of this issue you want to take, your brother's side, your side, whatever, uh, you know, that, that, boy, you are 100% right. You know, you can win the battle and lose the war. Yeah. Because, you know, again, if you, say, shut down your brother and his incendiary uh, thing with facts and logic and bang, 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 he's going to walk away going, well, she's just a know-it-all. Oh, I don't listen to her. Because it's about you and her. Hmm. But if it, we make it about the Lord... You know, I find this so often in even discussions about evolution and things like this. Mm. Um, you know, I can get to the point where I'm so interested in winning the point or the argument, I forget about bringing it back to the person of Jesus. Right. And 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 the the beautiful thing about uh, having that as our priority uh, is uh, when we make Jesus the focus, Lila, and, and we always ask the Lord for wisdom to do that. We make Jesus the focus. A couple things are true. First of all, chances are um, I know a little bit more about Jesus than that person that I'm talking to. So they're playing on my home court. I got home court advantage, yep. right? Secondly, uh, you know, how, uh, you know, when it's all said and done, we stand before the Lord someday. I don't think the Lord's going to say, wow, you know, Scott, when you shut down the idea of a biogenesis and, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, uh, the 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 idea of uh, punctuated punctuated equilibrium in that conversation that was really great. It's really no, you know, he's going to be interested if in whether I was able to tell people about his son, whether I was able to lead people to the Lord, not how many arguments I won. Yeah. So you know, I think uh, Lila, if you focus in on that, um, you know, and remember something: God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. God plus one equals a majority. So. You know, if uh, you were kind of browbeaten in that conversation, it sounds kind of like you were. But yeah. Not bad to have boundaries there. Mm -hmm. You know, you see somebody, like you said, working up ahead of steam, you know, just disengage, mm -hmm. you know, just say, well, you know, I just don't think this is going to be a very productive conversation. And uh, what do you think about those cats? So. <laughs> <laughs> Always bring it back to yeah. that. Yeah. Next week on A Reason for Hope, exclusively on Rumble. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Yeah. Well, thank you, Lila, for that question. Sorry great that. question, Lila. Great. It is a great question. I hope that ministered to you. Obviously, as you expressed, it's a difficult situation. So I hope that helps. And if we're off the out. air, it's your fault. 
Right, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now you can be scared about that too, yeah. Yes. Uh, question from Mike. Uh, speaking on the separation of the sheep and the goat, some say it's sheep and goat nations. Others say it's sheep and goat individuals. What does the Bible say about this, and how can we know which it is? Yeah, uh, let me read it, and you can... I know this means something different today, but follow the pronouns. Uh, it says in verse 32, <laughs> All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them from one another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And then it notes the distinction. Come, you blessed of my father. Note the distinction there. But when he's speaking to them, then the righteous will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or give you a drink as much as you uh, took in a stranger? You know, you did it unto me. Then he will say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed, into everlasting fire, on and on it goes. He will answer, or they will answer him. Notice, they will answer him. Lord, when did we see you? So I think this is a collective addressing. Now, when people will look at that and go, oh, so if I am of the unfortunate uh I guess, privilege of being a part of a nation that expressed Jew hatred and the persecution of God's people, then God's just going to punish us all collectively, right? Well, no, this is referring to the judgment of the nations in an upward or downward sense. And what divides you from them? Not just your treatment of the Jewish people, but your response to a Jewish individual. How did you treat Jesus? Right. What did you do with Jesus? No one will stand before the Lord and say, well, you did receive the gift of salvation from my son, but unfortunately you were in a Sharia-compliant country, and that, of course, persecutes Jews, Christians, and anyone who's not Muslim on principle. So down you go. No, the idea is that as the nations are being judged, either apart from salvation or in light of salvation, this is noting one of the ways they will be rewarded or one of the reasons they'll be cursed. So it is a collective addressing of the nations as a whole, but the distinction between the nations is also something God can deal with individually. This judgment is towards the nations. They will answer, we did not, or we did see you, we responded to you. But the fact of the matter is what distinguishes us from that being a curse or a judgment isn't just the nations we're a part of, but the kingdom we're a part of. Keep that in mind. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 All right. Thank you so much. Um, thanks, Mike, for that question. Thanks for being part of the show today. I have a question from Eve. What are the ways that God speaks to us? What are the ways, different ways that God speaks to us? Well, a uh, number of different ways uh, we see in Scripture God speaking to us. Mm -hmm. uh, first of all, and probably most important of all, uh, in the book of Hebrews, uh, we are told in Hebrews chapter 1, and I will take a moment and thumb over there and read it for you because it's so <laughs> crucial. You take your time. Uh, yeah, it says this, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in times past to the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, we appointed all heir of all things through whom he also made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, and becomes much better than angels, as he has by inheritance obtained a more excellent name. Now notice something about this. Uh, the scripture says that God spoke in various ways in various times through the prophets. Now, uh, Sean, can you think of some various ways that God spoke to people in the Old Testament? 
Well, in Deuteronomy 34, I believe it is, the concluding chapter, uh, the epitaph of Moses was that there was not a prophet risen like Moses whom the Lord spoke to face to face as a man speaks with his friend. So there were instances where God appeared to someone physically, visibly, and audibly. There were also instances where God spoke to people through visions and dreams. The book of Daniel is a perfect example of that. Zechariah is also another good example of it, where God is not only showing them things about himself, about his future intents for his people and the world as a whole, he would do so through not only showing them some pretty impressive sights, but making sure they didn't blink before they got an explanation of what those things were, what they meant. Now, again, I've talked to people who've gone down the acid trip lane, and that's how some people try to explain these things away, but the trip itself rarely explains these things to you in a comprehensive way, because when your brain's in a blender, it's not able to process anything effectively. That's why they pursue those things. It just sets everything onto infinity. What's also an important way that people have heard from God is, ironically enough, through their circumstances and verifying it through the Word of God. The best examples in the book of Jeremiah, where he was preaching for basically the better part of his life, that they're going to be taken away into captivity in Babylon. Then his relative comes and says, hey, the time to redeem our family's property is coming up. Are you going to sign for it? And Jeremiah's like, well, it'd be kind of weird for me to sign for something when I said we're all going to be evicted, but wait a minute, I just finished prophesying that we're going to be returning to the... I see where, where you're going with yeah. this. Yeah. And then I, the text literally says, then I knew it was the word of the Lord. So biblically verified circumstances, dreams and visions also verified biblically. And of course, through personal revelation. Again, there are other instances, Joshua, uh, the parents of Samson and others, but those would be the three primary ways. Yeah. Yeah, and God always speaks through his word. He can speak to us through his spirit. He can speak to us through his circumstances. We saw as we were uh, cruising through the book of Acts how uh, the Apostle Paul and his group uh, wanted to uh, go to a place called Cappadocia, which is a major population center that says that the Holy Spirit would not let them. In Acts chapter 13, we were told that uh, there were a group of prophets that were meeting, fasting, and seeking the Lord, and the Holy Spirit said to them, set aside Barnabas and Saul for the work that I've set aside for them. So we see that the Holy Spirit can speak. He can speak through the gift of prophecy, uh, through individuals. He can speak through visions. Uh, that is uh, things that we see while we're conscious and awake that have a spiritual nature. Look at the book of Ezekiel for great examples of that phenomenon in action. Uh, he can speak to us through dreams, according to Acts chapter two. But every inclination we might have that we are being spoken to by God should always be verified by his word. Mm -hmm. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 19 says, uh, do not quench the spirit, uh, do not despise prophecies, test all things, hold fast what is good. Well, how do we test all things? Well, in the book of Isaiah chapter 8, uh, we are told to the word and the testimony, if they do not speak according to this word, it's because they have no light in them. Uh, if someone comes to you, for instance, and says, man, I've had this I think I have a word for you from the Lord, and you know the Lord says that you're supposed to join me and go rob a bank today. Well, thou that's shalt very not spiritual, steal. but yeah. let's go to the right to the Ten Commandments. What part of thou shalt not steal do you not understand? I talked to a guy who was in jail once because he said he felt God was leading him to rob a bank, well, and I had to point that out to him. Yeah. Not every leading 
is from the Lord. You've got to yep. test it. You've got to check it out because God doesn't contradict himself. He will never speak. He will never direct against the, the spirit-inspired, spirit-given principles we find in his word. Can he speak to us through dreams, through visions, through words of prophecy? Yes, absolutely he can. There, there's no uh, you know, uh, expiration date on that sort of thing. Uh, you know, some people say, well, wouldn't that be adding to the Bible? Well, no more than the fact that we don't have a book of Agabus the prophet. Uh, Agabus had some pretty interesting prophecies that he shared during the book of Acts, but we don't have these prophecies put together in another book of the Bible. Hmm. Can God direct us and guide us through a personal word of prophecy? I believe he can, I believe he does, but if someone comes to you with a word of prophecy or you feel like the Lord has spoken to your heart, search the scriptures. Yeah. Uh, make sure that these things are really so, because if we don't, we lay ourselves open to great delusions. Uh, and uh, let's face it, Satan uh, will rarely show up to lead us astray, looking like a refugee from an Underwood deviled ham can. Uh, he likes to show up as a minister of righteousness. Someone says, oh, I got a word from the Lord for you. Or as an angel of light, you know, maybe you will have a spiritual experience. You say, oh, it must be the Lord. It can't be wrong because it feels so right. Well, there's a lot of people that have really gotten led astray by all of that, but the Word of God will never let you, lead you astray. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him, and He will make your path straight. That's Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. That's straight from the Word. Follow that, and the Lord will guide you every time. Amen. Amen to that. Well, at the end of our show here on this Friday, we'll be back again on Monday, if you want to join us on Sunday, either in person at Calvary Christian Fellowship of Tucson or the same channels, we are going live with another uh, prophecy update. Am I right to say? Yeah, you yeah. Uh, you know, again, if you wonder about the rapture, you wonder about the Antichrist, you wonder about the last day's strong delusion, uh, check it out. I think you're going to be blessed. Mm, sounds good. So we'll see you then or on Monday back in the same place. God bless you guys. You've been listening to A Reason for Hope. Thank you again for joining us as we continue our journey through God's Word one question of the heart at a time. Until we meet again, we would love to connect with you. You can text or email your questions to questionsforhope at gmail.com. You can also find out more about our ministry at calvarychristianfellowship.com. And be sure to join us next time on A Reason for Hope. A Reason for Hope is an outreach ministry of Calvary Christian Fellowship in Tucson, Arizona.